there's something in good writing to offend everybody, right? Writing takes us out of the categories we've created for ourselves and each other and puts us into a new experience. I'm really excited because our guest today has been offending people right and left. He has the distinction of having been kicked out of Lifeway Christian bookstores for using the word penis on one it's of his kind of albums. It's become like a badge of honor. I know. know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, a lot of people are, are aiming for that distinction and just mm. never hit it. But uh, we got rapper, community organizer, um, a mutual friend of about 15 friends of ours. We <laughs> yeah. finally got to meet him in person today. Show Baraka, welcome to the podcast. That was an amazing introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I want to, just for the record, my goals are, are higher than getting kicked out of a life. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to get kicked out of My aspirations are a little bit higher than that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it did help some sales, though. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, so between that, I had heard your name. Um, uh, this was uh, after the release of that album. I heard your name, and then I heard uh, you had gotten kicked out of Lifeway Bookstores. But what really got me listening to your work was the song called My Hood USA 1937. And each of the each of the songs, what was the the album name again? The was narrative. The narrative. The narrative. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. great album and each of the songs on it has a year with it. Um, but this particular song was about the like the existence in our history of really healthy, thriving, uh, somewhat autonomous black neighborhoods yep. in the United States and how they were sort of systematically dismantled through different forces. Yep. And I was thinking, I had been reading um, The New Jim Crow, right? Before I heard that song. And I was thinking, like, if you're talking to someone, because I come from, like, a community that I'm a part of is sort of evangelical Christian community. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them are like, oh, like, racism is not a problem anymore. And I'm like, I just read The New Jim Crow, but I'm like, how do you sit down at a table with someone and tell them, yeah. like, how complex and sophisticated yeah. the system is? Yeah. So I heard that song and your work on that song, and I thought, this is just brilliant because mm-hmm. it, encapsulates, um, it encapsulates a feeling, right? Because it's a piece of art. It gets you in the feeling and also does a great job of just showing the mechanics of yeah. how that happens. Um, so that got me into your work, and then uh, I, so, I sort of started following that into the other things you do, um, and so we're just really excited to be able to hear some more about that. And you're still today. around, which is which is good because usually, <laughs> like you said, I offend everybody. <laughs> so you're not easily offended. So that's a good thing. Well, yeah, so. <laughs> I hope to be. I mean, when I listen to art, when I listen to music, or when I listen, yeah. or when I read something. I hope to take a little bit of offense because then I have to like. Yeah, no, that's good. Move that's absolutely. Yeah, and that's. I don't antagonize or I don't try to provoke just for you know provocation's sake. I try to. I mean, these are things I truly believe. So it's not just me being incendiary. Like, yeah. I'm not just like, eh, let me just say something ridiculous. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, totally. I, these are things that I wrestle with. I'm not saying that I uh, hold these truths tightly in the sense that I'm not willing to be challenged as well. Yeah. I do think there are things that I even believe right now that. Uh, I believe them just because I just haven't heard a better argument yet. Yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> like, definitely. And so um, when I when I approach my art, I think art should, in a sense, challenge. Like, like it should provoke you to feel. Yeah. It should provoke you to think. And to, like, ultimately, I know that my audience is greater than just my own paradigm. Yeah, right? yeah. that's right. And so how can I expose them to understanding yeah. things that, that I don't think they may understand? And so that song, I felt like I intentionally wanted to create a song that could 
create this narrative, pun yeah. intended, <laughs> of how neighborhoods become the way they are, like how yeah. these these communities went from like this autonomous community of thriving intentionally and unintentionally. Well, unintentionally because of racial injustice and intentionally because of racial injustice as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. There's a design behind it. Not exactly. all the participants are aware of how exactly. they're pointing oh, yeah. to it. But, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. That's excellent. Yeah. And so and how they hide how, how a lot of laws and policies end up changing and behaviors create, you know, neighborhoods like here in Atlanta, like yeah. where yeah. you look at the Sweet Auburn area where it was one of the most thriving areas in Atlanta. And now it's, you know, it went from kind of like low income to now more thriving, but gentrified thriving. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. So, but there's still a lot of black ownership in that area. And there's, there's a lot of innovation on what can we do to continue to keep this historical uh, district yeah. what it once was. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you've you've done so you're doing a lot more than rapping, right? You've my my wife attended on uh, MLK Day a march uh, with the and campaign yeah. um, with you. So can you talk a little bit about that? And I think uh, that'll help give us a little bit of uh, a picture of like what communities you're talking to and where you're involved yeah. in. But what's the yeah. and campaign all about? So the and campaign was really uh, a development out of the frustration of a few individuals who. Um, do have some like party affiliation, but recognize that those parties are flawed. Yeah, it can be deeply flawed. Yeah, and uh, recognize that, especially in 2016, that our political paradigm, our political platforms, our landscape was very divisive. Yeah, and and <laughs> vitriolic, and it was just there needed to be some new language, some nomenclature, and some just directives on how we engage politically as Christians. Yeah. Right, the um, especially in the sense of how do you deal with justice issues? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes that conversation is dominated by the left, mm-hmm. and uh, and there are reasons why that's been the case. Yeah. But then, what does it mean to have what you know some people call biblical values? Yeah, and that conversation has usually been dominated by folks on the right. Yeah, and understanding that no one party has. Yeah. The monopoly on either of the conversations and that you can embody both. Like you can embody this idea of justice. You can be liberal. You can be conservative in views and you don't have to like you don't have to submit yourself or, or, or blindly pledge mm-hmm. your allegiance to a party just because there's two salient issues that you like rock with. And they're like, yeah. yo, you guys have the authority on these two issues. So I guess I'm a Democrat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> or I guess I'm a conservative. Right. Or a Republican. Yeah. And so we wanted to say, let's 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 create. Uh, a movement, not a political party, but we wanted to create uh, a movement of people who understood both hands. You know, what yeah. I mean? that's the yeah. whole idea of the and campaign, being both compassionate um, and understanding justice issues, and and realizing the communities we come from, they're very important issues to deal with. Yeah. But also having the conviction of our faith that guides us. Yeah. And um, also the and represents both liberal conservative. Uh, you know, Democrat, Republican, mm-hmm. uh, but understanding that at the end of the day, we're not going to allow our politics to um, guide our principles. It should be yeah. vice versa. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. that's that's the gist of it. The communities we're talking to right now, uh, primarily, um, are I guess you could say personify. They're, they're expressed in the, the the people who lead the group right now, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like this this middle um right now we're really in the middle like the moderate space okay um 
we're trying to, to branch off into different spaces where there are people who feel kind of ostracized in like the far left or yeah. not the far left, but in, on the left. And it's like, well, I definitely have, I, I, there are things that I'm very passionate about that the left holds to. Yeah. Um, and like, but you feel ostracized in some of your other belief systems. And mm -hmm. so how can you come to, you know, us and, and, uh, and make this thing a more beautiful palette as well as on the right. Like yeah. you have convictions that, you know, conservatives have, but you also feel ostracized. Like, you know, yeah. for instance, anytime you talk about justice issues, they call you a communist or, yeah. Yeah. or a snowflake. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you know. So yeah. it's, it's complex and we're trying to figure out how to balance it. Uh, yeah. We are unapologetically trying to uh, galvanize uh, mostly people of color mm -hmm. because we felt like throughout history, especially since the 50s and 60s, uh, the political conversation has been very manipulative in the sense of the Democrats uh, have pretty much owned the black community yeah. in a way where there hasn't been a lot of reciprocation, yeah. um, mm -hmm. depending on who you talk to, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the right, for the most part, just kind of just giving up on the black community, just like, well, yeah. we know we're not going to get their vote, fine. That's yeah. the reason why we can just assuage our <laughs> ignorance yeah. and our et cetera with the voting mm -hmm. of a, a Trump, right? Yeah. And yeah. not feel any kind of conviction about it. So, yeah. but there are people who I think in this last year uh, have felt the sting of putting a man like that in office and felt like, yo, we've, j we've basically just flushed all our credibility down the toilet yeah. As, yeah. as religious, as people who've held up religious values. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and now we're just, throwing it away because we voted somebody who does not connect or relate to any of those. So, yeah, yeah. I asked a whole lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, behind, yeah. I mean, there, like, no movement appears out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, are there are there voices, writers, books, things that uh, y'all were reading as a community that sort of helped to feed mm -hmm. into this movement? Yeah, I, so I can only speak for myself. I mean, there are two other individuals who, um, who help co-found, but I mean, we, we actually sat down with a group of people before we decided to start this thing. We had a retreat with some very sharp and thoughtful individuals before we actually made it public. But for mm -hmm. me personally, I think it's just the way that I've been brought up. Like yeah. as a young man, my parents are young as a child, better yet. My parents were even before I was born, they were part of the Black Panther Party. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been connected to justice yeah. issues. I've always been aware that I should care for the marginalized, for the poor, for the oppressed, and that yeah. I should speak up against injustices. So that's something that has been in me since a yeah. child, right? Yeah. Um, I think the conflict came is when I became a Christian in college, and I became a Christian in a white evangelical space for the most part. Uh -huh. Oh wow! And so I, I, I began to wrestle with this identity, like this. There's this identity crisis of my of sorts that, well, how do I? reconcile both understanding my identity as a black man and the, and the struggles that I felt like I associate with while yeah. at the same time this this Jesus of Norway who's a no yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. who doesn't seem to care about the yeah. issues that I care about right yeah and it's just a sin issue and I should just pray you know just share the gospel and that's it yeah. and then yeah. everything would be be better and I'm just yeah. like well is that the truth I don't know like I guess yeah and so um for me I've always read uh you know because I've always loved black history. I went to an HBCU, mm -hmm. Tuskegee University. So mm -hmm. I understood the, the the differences of ideology between Booker T and Du Bois. Mm -hmm. uh, I understood the differences between, you know, Malcolm and Martin. I understood mm -hmm. the tensions between Garvey and Du Bois as well. And there's, there's just different people that I've, uh, the, the, you know, 
how to uh, how to address the issue of being black in in this country has is has been going on since the reconstruction yeah right? yeah and uh and even before that and so i think educated or black people who find themselves concerned with those issues find themselves reading those people and there's always been this tension of who do we trust yeah. politically yeah right and so for me um as i began to like engage those read those writers again once i felt like it wasn't like sacrilege yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. once i kind of got yeah. over this 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 guilt of being black i can't <laughs> hear about justice exactly anymore, yeah. right i was like you know what and i started to realize like yeah this is this is this has been the plight for a while yeah right? yeah so yeah. uh so those people informed me those those particular people informed me um yeah i think more recently i don't know if there were any particular readings and writing other than those of antiquity but it was something yeah. More, it was more of like current event issues like you know yeah. in 2010 uh i released an album but uh you know around that time you had the death of oscar grant being shot in oakland yeah. then rakia boyd is shot in chicago yeah. and then i make this album because i i wrote this album called talent the 10th and this is when i started to really just start saying you know like middle finger to all evangelicalism because yeah. i just <laughs> i can't deal with this anymore yeah, yeah. and then you know trayvon martin happens yeah. And then after my album was released in um and I'm and I have a song called Jim Crow on that album mm -hmm. which really made people mad. <laughs> and then after that, uh Michael Brown's murdered. And so at that point I realized that, that I am not allowed to talk about these issues in uh in kind of like white evangelical spaces. Yeah. yeah. Right. And admittedly before I looked down at black churches because I felt like black churches for a long period of time in my in my Christian walk, I felt like black churches didn't um, didn't suffice my my my, my intellectual desire, right? Yeah. That was just that was just b bad and faulty thinking on my end because I had this Western, or not even just Western. I had this very white evangelical way of like of of interpreting scripture and, yeah. and, yeah. and information, yeah, mm -hmm. and not seeing one. I just didn't even know. Like, and the, as I researched, I realized that were not only were there there uh, there's different ways of of there are different concepts of hermeneutics and different ways of understanding and interpreting scripture, yeah, but I also realized that even within the white evangelical constructs, there were black Americans who were amazing at even like the exegeting of scripture in that context. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, Lemuel Haynes is in the, and folks I started to read and study. So that kind of just that kind of just debunked all the myths I had about the black church. And I started to engage more in like, black churches and black intellectualism and yeah. And even kind of like your more white liberal spaces as well. Yeah. And it kind of just made me realize that, I was in a very narrow space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a question too. On a, so I'm a I'm a director of student ministries at a local church and uh, also preach there on occasion. And I've been working at this project slowly over mm -hmm. the last like maybe eight months, of like, if you read like the Sermon on the Mount, for mm -hmm. example, like it seems like it's half this really like religious thing. And it's half a blueprint for like nonviolent resistance, right? Yeah. And I've been working really hard and reading and looking around and and trying to find like a writer or thinker who can do a good job of putting those elements together because they're in the same text, right? Yeah, yeah, really yeah. close to each other in the same sermon. Um, but are there any writers that for you have helped like helped bridge those or like pull those back together? Because they were obviously specifically like, nonviolence. Yeah. Well, just... specifically like. Um, the spiritual dynamics yeah. of Christianity yeah. with our work for justice, yeah. and 
making them Absolutely. into one thing again. Mm. Yeah, I would say oh. there. Are, I would say there's not one book that's coming to mind, but I know people like mm-hmm. one James Lawson, Doctor James Lawson, who's actually still alive. Um, okay. And it's funny because. I know this is about what you're reading. Uh, <laughs> and so there's a book that I'm actually reading right now uh, because there's a project that I'm working on that deals around nonviolence. It's the it's a musical theater piece that I'm working on in Memphis or oh, wow. that's around the sanitation worker strike in Memphis. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was led by pretty much by Dr. James Lawson, a friend of MLK, who was a strong proponent of nonviolence, who actually studied under Gandhi, who introduced Gandhi to Martin Luther King. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I introduced Gandhi, Martin Luther King to Gandhi. Yeah. And um, and so his his wow. thinking, his speaking, his writing. Uh, honestly, I don't know how much writing he's done. Yeah. But the book that I'm reading right now is called Going Down Jericho Road. It's by Michael Honey. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of you know quotes. There's a lot of first person accounts. There's just a slew of information. And what you see, and this is not something that I I coined, but there's a term by God, Charles Marsh uh, is called The Beloved Community, How Faith Shapes Social Justice from the Civil Rights Movement to Today. I just purchased, I haven't read it yet, but I read an article for him. He he calls the the Civil Rights Movement a theological drama. Huh. And he wow. talks about how um, they're acting out like this this belief in, mm-hmm. these, in these theologies on this stage. Mm-hmm. And they're showing, they're putting it on display in a sense that it's never been seen before. If you think about um, how... Um, the world, in a sense, is well, specifically America, and how America's always achieved uh, great things, according to you know their accounts, is through violence, right? yeah. Yeah. it's through war, it's through taking, it's through power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the 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 funny thing is, the civil rights movement kind of created an inversion of that. Yeah. And they showed how you can great achieve greatness through actual through love, through peace, and through nonviolence. Yeah. Right. And so they they. They created this uh, this paradigm shift in how to to strive and progress as a society, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's a theological drama that he he talks about. I think it's just genius. So, um, but then <clears throat> the one thing, and I'll just say this to to also answer your question. Yeah, the one thing that I I realized and I witnessed about theological writings in history, especially in America, is that white people, white Americans, have had the privilege to like debate about soteriology like the lofty things of the scriptures right like let's sit here and debate about whether or not we should excommunicate people yeah yeah. totally yeah yeah but you know but black folks in history and i've always had this question it's like well i don't know and these are genuine questions like well i want to read more black theologians but i just don't know what they like i need to find it's like well you're looking for the wrong stuff like if you're Mm -hmm. looking for black theologians who wrote about uh, ecclesiology, then you're probably not going to find a, a death of them. But what you are yeah. going to find is them talking about in a in, in a very implicit or explicit way about the imago dei. Like, what is what does it mean to mm-hmm. be a human being? What does it mean yeah. to for, for dignity? Yeah. And you're going to find many pastors in history, many thinkers, sociologists, and theologians, because oftentimes in black culture, you'll find the sociologists didn't con- disconnect their ideas from their yeah. faith as yeah. well. Yeah. And so... Um, so to answer your question, I think you, you'll also find a lot of black thinkers in history who will address that issue about yeah. what does it mean to be religious, but while at the same time having a component of justice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and 
Yeah. So yeah, it's funny you mentioned. Literally came in like two days ago. I just ordered the book uh, by Kelly Brown Douglas, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. "Stand Your Ground: Black Bodies and the Justice of God." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've heard so many great things. So it's kind of that similar, like the body, the image Absolutely. of God. Yeah. I'm really. That's one of those. Like I'm really excited <laughs> to dig into. Yeah. It's right along those lines. So you talked about historical tensions uh-huh. between different voices within the black community. Yeah. And at the end of 2017, uh, we were reading like everything that was coming out on this uh, controversy between Ta-Nehisi Coates and, and, Cornel. and Cornel West. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I still don't know how to navigate it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, read, I read a good bit of Ta-Nehisi Coates, yeah. not as much Cornel West. And I didn't, I didn't understand, I guess. Cornell's beef? Yeah. 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 Can you help me figure that out? (laughs) So I'm going to do a terrible job at this because I didn't really follow the, uh, I didn't read a whole lot of, of the back and forth. I don't even know if there was much back and forth. I think I read a part of what Cornell's beef was. And I think, I'll, I'll say this one. My personal beef with Ta-Nehisi, Ta-Nehisi or Ta-Nehisi, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think he's brilliant. I think he's a great writer. I think he's sharp. Uh, I, I think he um, understands the plight and the blight of our nation, right? Yeah. But I think he deals too much in the dysfunction. Yeah. I think mm. he's, I think he deals too much in the hopelessness. It's kind of like this yeah. nihilism, and I think that's what Cornel West was 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 pointing mm. out. Is like you, you, one, you talk about injustice and this uh, this despair and hopelessness as if there weren't people before you that. Were f- that brought hope, like to 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 kind of give analogy to, it's almost like and I and I heard this pastor say one time he says that hope was the the thing that kept slaves from being captives, yeah. uh-huh. or captives from being slaves. Better yet, mm-hmm. so hope is the thing that 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 kept captives from being slaves. Although I know that I'm I'm there's there's this, this injustice that weighs me down. The hope that I have keeps me from actually being mentally a slave. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I'm yeah. still free, and there's still that, I can still yeah. experience joy. And I do think there's there's a there's a very thin line with a lot of Ta-Nehisi's writing that he he uh, he flirts with such hopelessness. Mm. And when you write with hopelessness and you give no real solutions, and and I and to his credit, like he kind of to to some extent, his atheism his atheism mm. won't allow him. To kind of like yeah. see hope, right? Yeah. yeah, I think that's the difference from Cornel West is that he's not an atheist. He has, you know, yeah. he's a he's a minister and he has mm-hmm. this hope of Jesus and he sees Jesus in the sense of being readily available here on this earth. Yeah, and that there are people who gave life, gave their life, and sacrifice for hope. Yeah, and are, will continue to give hope. Um, and then also yeah. I do think is that he. I, and I'm not. I'm not saying this is my my view. I mm-hmm. do agree with this to some degree, and I heard other people kind of communicate this. Tanihisi has become kind of like a white liberal darling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, totally. and in a sense, it's it's uh, when you, yeah, it's 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 like it's interesting. Like once you get all of this love from people who, like I I remember I I've had I've had white folks. Get mad at me because I didn't like his writing. <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't like Tanisi's coaches? Yeah. Like they're like, you know what you need to you need to read this book by Tanisi. And I was like, look, I, I you know I don't want to read it. Yeah, like, right. I don't and feel then like they I need explain to. It to you. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, <laughs> well, actually you, it's because and I'm like, wait, hold up, slow down, yeah. slow yeah. down, Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. I've engaged enough writings and readings. I I know the plights of black people. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't need Tanisi to explain that yeah. to me. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. Though, though I will say he's he's smart, he's sharp, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I will say ultimately, it's it's the the hopelessness in his writing yeah. and the, and the posture of mm-hmm. and how he stays there and not giving credence to the work of people yeah. that gave that's, sacrifice. In the that's that's yeah. the one thing. So I read, you know, obviously, white. <laughs> I read between the world and me, mm-hmm. and uh, it was powerful and it was really moving. But mm-hmm. there, were, it felt like it was just lament, you yeah, know. Right, and even right. at the end, he's kind of like. Yep. I don't know. Um, I don't know what else. You know, yeah. uh, can I have it? And, and you keep Boots thinking like, Paris. no, where's the... <laughs> yeah. Like it's going to be different there. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, where's that? You know, you kind of keep wondering yeah. like, where there's got to be this upturn. Like, hey, right. here... It, and think, you know, he, which a lot of us have, you know, it's legitimate, like g- legitimate lament, but there's mm, none of that absolutely. hope. Like that, none of that, like, yeah. here's what we are. Here's what yeah. is happening. Here's what could happen. And I don't know. I yeah, think, it was, yeah. And the, the reality is, is there's, there's injustice. There's going to be injustice everywhere. The, yeah. the goal is not to just to like lay down and and just accept it Mm -hmm. and so if we're saying that because injustice has not been like done away with then that the work of people before us is is fruitless and is pointless right like i've had this conversation with very sharp people who believe that even the civil rights movement was somewhat pointless or that nonviolence is pointless because nonviolence doesn't get us the ultimate freedoms that we want. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Any real society or nation, they get their liberation by violence yeah. right? because they go to war and they fight for it. And that can be, that can be a legitimate cause. Like if you yeah. believe in that, I'm not one who necessarily, I'm not necessarily a pacifist, but I don't believe yeah. that war creates solutions. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also believe that there have been legitimate work and we should give credence to the people of the past who yeah. who existed in harsh times, but yet and still they had hope and believed that and even fought for the, the freedoms that they would never even see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think there's something to that. And I don't and that's the one reason why I, I don't believe you can disconnect hope from activism. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Definitely. true. It's so easy to despair. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And um uh, I think you know this is the reason why we you know Jesus is 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 a wonderful example. He you know he lives amongst despair, right? Yeah. yeah. But he recognizes and he tries to to, <laughs> to impart that hope uh, into his followers. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because granted, this world uh, we 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 hope for a future, right? Yeah. We hope for a future, a greater existence, yeah. heaven, the afterlife, et cetera, et cetera. But as C.S. Lewis talks about, like those who who cared the most about the next life did the most in this world, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think by caring and hoping, like and and realizing that the, the there's future glory, I guess you can yeah. you know however you want to communicate it. Yeah. It makes you realize that I must do something even now. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I it, like the <laughs> salvation isn't just about this assurance, like this assurance and this. Uh, this assurance of salvation yeah. and this insurance from hell, right? Mm-hmm. It's also oh, yeah. about a, a worldview that makes me ready to address the issues that I'm yeah. living in, right? So yeah. NLK says only a dry, dry as dust religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna butcher this quote. No, but only, <laughs> only he says only a dry as dust religion uh, extols uh, the graces of heaven without, but ignoring the plight. That yeah. calls people an earthly head. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I feel like even in, in the Lord's prayer, the prayer that Jesus gave us, absolutely, Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to bring absolutely. heaven here instead of just yeah. just absolutely. waiting for this awesome thing to happen. He wants us to, to bring it on. And some people misappropriate that by believing like pol- political ostracization is the kingdom on heaven, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you have evangelicals who are like, well, the way that we do that is by 
um, making sure that we don't relinquish power. Yeah. And by and, but that's not that's yeah. not the that's not what Jesus wanted us <laughs> yeah, to do, yeah. right? It's more yeah. great. It's grace, not power. Yeah. And um, yeah. they missed the method. <laughs> exactly. And that's the other yeah. thing I think. Our activism on the other side, like you, you know, for liberals, can be careful is if all you want is an exchange of power then you'll become the problem eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, yeah. we, you, and that seems like some people are like, well, I just, I, look, I believe grace. I believe in hope and I believe in forgiveness. Yeah. And I know reconciliation is a very difficult concept. And it's, yeah, it's, I don't believe in reconciliation before repentance. I believe mm-hmm. that repentance has to take place. Yeah. But I do believe the goal of our instruction is reconciliation, not only towards God, but to, for, for one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard. You don't just say, I'm sorry, and then we're reconciled. They're like, yeah. no, you got to do something. Like, if I, me and my wife have problems, right? Yeah. I can't just be walking in the room and be like, hey, babe, I'm sorry. It's like, no, you <laughs> need to undo some of the, you need to make right yeah. the yeah. things that you did. Earn that trust back. Exactly. Yeah. You got to Ain't no loving tonight. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, like, that's, and that's real. And I think as a, as a nation, there needs to be, some things need to be made right in yeah. order for true reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. Oh, We're show thanks so much for showing up. Yeah. We got a lot of great uh, book recommendations. I got to get started on reading some of these. Yeah. Um, uh, we want to thank our host, Atlanta Vintage Books. Mm-hmm. We're recording here live in the metaphysical reading room, uh, and they've I always feel been really gracious. Just being yeah, I, this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is kind of a perfect spot. We sound really it. stupid when we're not here, but the the books yeah. somehow give us something. Oh man! But if you want to uh, also check us out online, visit us at whatareyoureadingpodcast.com, and there's kind of our hub for Facebook and Instagram. Just kind of wherever you want to find us online, that's where you can uh, look up and and locate us. And um, yeah, and as always, subscribe if you can, like through iTunes or any podcast app. But uh, leave a review and rating; it always means a lot to us. Make us feel like like we're we're okay we're doing all right yeah so, so we really appreciate and, and it if people want to find you online find the and campaign online where do they oh, go oh yeah <clears throat> the website is the and campaign okay com the i'm okay. struggling <laughs> the and campaign.com the social media is usually just and campaign okay cool. awesome uh, on all i think all platforms yeah okay yeah. and if we're able to get this out pretty soon can you share a little bit about the i know there's an event on february 23rd i think is that yes can you share a little bit about so that? that's a uh it's a we're calling it the Frontline Discipleship Tour. And uh, I didn't make up the name. So. <laughs> <laughs> and if he listens to this, the person who made it up, if they listen to this, he'll be mad at me. I keep... I'm like, why would you pick that? So anyway, um, it's an event basically of, it's our attempt, <laughs> it's our attempt to engage the, the more traditional black church mm-hmm. on these issues of politics. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, what better way to do that than to get kind of like your more popular black pastors mm-hmm. and so tony evans is going to be cool. one of the okay. pastors who's going to uh, be keynote speaking that night it's just to bring awareness about the issues that we feel are pertinent to uh not only just the nation as a whole but specifically you know atlanta and our communities and how we can engage people in politics because i think ultimately and i'll just say this real quick sure, like sure. politics is a dirty word in christian spaces mm. yeah, right? yeah yeah so and people have done a, a wonderful subversive in some ways of getting making Christians disconnect from that because in some ways they've done a terrible job of using their faith to yeah. actually promote some terrible policies. So yeah. how do we how do we get people to be more encouraged on engaging in a political discussion, discourse and platform? Mm-hmm. Okay.
Awesome. This one's great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And we're going to end, as always, with a, a quote on books, quote on stories. And this one comes from a, a Native American uh, proverb, and uh, it goes, Tell me the facts, and I'll learn. Tell me the truth, and I'll believe. But tell me a story, and it will live in my heart forever. Thanks for listening.